0: netcasts you love
1: from people you trust
0: this is twit bandwidth for security now is provided by aol radio at aol.com slash podcasting This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, Episode 74 for January 11, 2007, Peter Gutman, and the Cost of Vista Content Protection. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. It's time for Security Now with the the fabulous Steve Gibson. (laughs) And this is, in some ways, is a part two. You know, last week we talked about some pretty tough stuff, content protection, uh, the new AACS content protection uh, that's going to be part of Vista, part of any high-def DVD player you have. Uh, All of this was kind of prompted by an article that was just spread like wildfire over the uh, uh, Christmas break. Right. Well, it generated a
1: lot of controversy because it became clear from the from the article published by Peter Gutman, who's in New Zealand, a, a New Zealand-based, very well-known, good reputation uh, security analyst. He took a look at the consequences of of essentially putting this AACS, the Advanced Access Content System, which has been been assembled by a number of of hardware companies, in order basically to appease the interests of Hollywood, in, in order to say, look, this is the way we're going to protect the next generation of content, as as we saw last week. And the reason we we spent last week's episode was to create some historical context for both the leg- the legislative side and the technical side. And and I I talked last week about. Uh, basically, AACS is a phenomenally complex technology that involves state-of-the-art encryption. It, it involves some stuff you just can't even get your mind around. I mean, I, I will never, I will never try on Security Now explaining this subset, the subset difference tree system for allowing keys to be revoked by by keeping those. Um, those play, specific players from being able to perform the decryption. I mean, it's just it's mind numbing what they've done, and and so it's one thing for that to be in an HD DVD player, and in fact, we've already seen consumers have seen the consequence of that when they stuck a DVD into their first generation players. It would take up to, or in some cases, more than a minute. For the player and the disc to negotiate all of the crypto going on just internally within the player. And Leo, I was thinking about how you had commented that when you stuck your HD DVD. On your Xbox 360, it didn't take long. Well, it's and, got and I has a faster realized, processor. Exactly. Yeah, well, talk it's faster. A yeah. Th- th- you know, that's a monster. It's got, pro- it's got three, it's got, three
0: what gigahertz power PCs. Are, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So 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 it's a very different platform there right. than right. a typical consumer drive where they're trying to keep the cost as low as possible. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to have Peter joining us here in a moment from New Zealand because because we wanted to talk to him get his side of this talk about what the paper uh, that he wrote is about and and i just wanted to sort of give a little bit of a preface and explain that basically microsoft has decided that they want vista to be able to deliver this kind of content and and what peter's paper is about is the essentially the cost of delivering this content and what it means is that so many aspects of our pcs which have been fully documented been public domain been you know anyone could develop a a display card for example that's no longer the case if you're going to be if you're going to have any foot in this next generation game you have to sign up and apparently pay hefty license fees just to participate and if you don't if you don't get certificates which are subject to spontaneous revocation if you then subsequently misbehave or in fact i read one of the aacs organization documents said that you could be revoked if you failed to pay your annual dues
0: your card would stop working
1: in my pc exactly it would literally the 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 hardware that the consumer purchased could be shut down never buy a card
0: from somebody who's about to go bankrupt that's a very I mean, the good whole point. thing is nuts. This is just nuts. We're going to talk to Peter in just a bit and get the details. But I want to do thank, before we get the going here, I want to thank Astaro uh, Corporation, our uh, sponsor for security now. Uh, they really support us uh, with financially, and they make this show possible. Um, and so if you, uh, you could do us a favor, if you're a small or medium business they are looking for some real protection, I mean, not just uh, anti-hacker or firewall. We're talking spam, viruses, uh, VPN, and intrusion protection. Content filtering, too. This is an industrial strength firewall. This is a a, a complete protective device. It, it's a simple, easy to use appliance, and, and you can try it for free. Just call Astaro, ASTARO.com, 877, the number four, ASTARO, and they will set up a free trial of an Astaro security gateway in your business. We've talked to many, many people who've done this and are very happy that they heard about a star on security now. And by the way, if you're a non-business user, you can also download the software for free. www.astaro.com. We thank them for their support. So let's uh, uh, let's call New Zealand. What do you say? Let's talk to Peter. Great. Let's uh, start off uh, the interview by uh, asking uh, you about your background. I mean, You're a fairly well-known security researcher. I gather a computer scientist as well.
2: Yeah. So my my background is... um it's actually a bit of both academia and industry. Um, I have an open source um, security toolkit, which is it's available under a dual license, so it's both GPL or commercial. Um, it's a sleepy cat license, if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. and um, people can choose what they want. Um, and when I'm not working on that, I get to play with any kind of security stuff that happens to interest me. Um, so, for example, with Vista, um, just before Christmas, I had a bit of spare time, and some people have been talking about this in private, and I started going out and looking at the specs, and was kind of frightened at what was in there. And so I thought, you know, I should maybe do a write-up of this and analysis to let people know exactly what's hiding inside Vista.
1: In fact, it was it was because of Peter's crypto toolkit that he and I first had a dialogue. It's funny when when I was sending email back and forth to him, it was disappearing into one of my folders, and it took me back to a conversation Peter and I had had briefly back in 2002, about you know five years ago. Um, and I was asking him about the licensing terms for his toolkit because I was looking around for something that I could trust and, and, you know, to sort of use for for core crypto stuff. And so we had a dialogue back and forth. And, of course, Peter's also done some work in secure hard drive erasure, and he has an often quoted piece of work that talks about how to deeply erase magnetic media. And so, of course, from my background with Spinrite, there was another connection there. So I've seen... Peter's name around a lot and in in my case someone i think it was in our in the GRC news groups posted a link to Peter's article and as as i mentioned on our podcast last week i i printed it out didn't have a chance to read it before taking off to travel for the holidays but i was on the i was on an airplane flying home and by the time i was on the second page i was just riveted by by the content, and of course, you know, as we talked about last week, um, essentially there's a, a next generation crypto system for for protecting high value content, which is known as AACS, and and what Microsoft has done is they've decided they're going to make Vista be a a valid secure delivery platform for AACS protected content and and so basically what peter uh, what peter's paper does so well is to open people's eyes about i mean the real world consequences of of turning vista into a sort of a next generation drm platform
0: for and, those of you who I haven't mean, read it it's called a cost analysis of Windows Vista content protection, and I'll just let me just give you the executive summary, and then we can go point by point through some of these things, or the executive executive. Summary. I know I love the short short version, <laughs> but uh, let's start with the, the little longer version. Windows Vista includes an extensive reworking of core OS elements in order to provide content protection. That's that AACs you're talking about for premium content, typically HD data from Blu-ray and HD DVD sources. Now here's the here's the gist of it. Providing this protection incurs considerable costs in terms of system performance system stability, technical support overhead, and hardware and software costs. And, and these issues affect not only users of Vista, but the entire PC industry, since the effects of the protection measures extend to cover all hardware and software that will ever come into contact with Vista, even if it's not used directly with Vista. For example, hardware in a Macintosh or on a Linux server. Uh, then the executive-executive summary. The Vista content protection specification could very well constitute the longest suicide note in history. <laughs> you read all of that stuff, Peter? Yeah. There's a lot of material online from Microsoft. I mean, they're not keeping this a secret.
2: No. Well, the best paper um, is, is the first one I've given the reference. is the Output Content Protection at Windows Vista, which was presented at the WinHEC, um Conference in 2005 by Dave Marsh, who is the, the program manager for, as far as I can tell, for DRM inside Microsoft. Um, And that goes into an extraordinary level of detail about all this stuff. But, yeah, they have a number of other um, public papers that describe what they're trying to do.
1: Um, One question I had was that I have read the AACS specs, and and I've got sort of a, 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 I think, a, a relatively good handle on what AACS is. I didn't see in the specs anything about this notion of constriction, and I'm wondering if that's something that Microsoft has done to sort of try to appease the content owners while not completely disabling non, non-securable outputs.
2: Right. Well, the thing is, they're terrified about the analog hole. Um, well, not so much Microsoft. I think Hollywood is terrified of the analog hole. And so they're desperately trying to make sure that, that you know, they, they can't close it entirely, but they can at least make the quality of the content that goes through the analog hole so poor that it's not worth copying.
1: Right. Um, do you have some sense from... I, I know that you mentioned in your paper that you have other sources... That have have required that they remain anonymous, and in fact, you went to the length of deliberately restating some of the things they told you, trying to maintain accuracy, but you know really to protect their identity so I, right. and and so the one thing I'm wondering is, can you give us some sense for where this is coming from? That is, how much of it is is pushed from Hollywood, and how much of it is is Microsoft? sort of trying to deliver something maybe that no one really wants.
2: I think it's a bit of both. I mean, Hollywood have this huge wish list of stuff that they've been pushing for years and years. Um, and, you know, people have analyzed the technical side of things and said that what they're trying to do is impossible, you know, in terms of closing the analog hole and, and making content uncopyable. You know, there's a wonderful quote from Bruce Schneier saying that trying to make content uncopyable is like trying to make water not wet. Um,
0: I love that. <laughs>
2: so, and there's, there's a whole lot of, of legal CYA in there um, in the specifications where they say you know, device manufacturers must um, demonstrate their commitment to the party line rather than saying you must do this, this, and this. They say you must demonstrate that you're strongly committed towards content protection. And I think um, probably what Microsoft is doing is the same thing. They want to demonstrate to Hollywood that they're really, really committed towards content protection.
0: That's a lousy if, specification, not telling you what to do, but just saying, prove it.
2: Prove, right. Prove you but, care. Yeah, but this, you know, the problem is a lot of this, I think, is driven by, by legal worries. And so if they say you must do this and then it gets broken, they're in trouble. Ah. And so they can't so, be specific. Right. They they can't afford to be specific because if they end up being wrong, then they're
1: liable. And I guess one of the things that, that is not immediately obvious, even in – well, I guess your paper sort of began me thinking down this direction, but then reading the AACS stuff and looking at all of the at, – at, at the revocation technology, which has been bundled into this, is it, it's very clear that, that – while microsoft is bearing some responsibility there's a tremendous onus also put for example on graphics card makers i mean they're they're hugely incentivized to 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 make their cards perform and their drivers perform really at a level of quality that we've never asked from them before
2: right and that's it's particularly nasty for them, you know, because they're not given any hard and fast rules. They're just told that you better show a lot of compliance. And if it's not enough, you can guarantee that you'll be in hot water.
0: Well, you know, uh, Paul Thorat, who does a Windows podcast for us, uh, made the point, I'd like to hear, hear you address it, that this, the, the, the alternative for Microsoft is to be a second-class citizen in terms of supporting content. Uh, you, you play by Hollywood's rules or you don't play at all. What, what's your response to that?
2: Um, I think that's very much a red herring. Um, And, in fact, I've been updating the document constantly um, to cover this, and I addressed that in a very recent um, release. Uh, Microsoft owns, I don't know what it is, 95% of the market or so on, and particularly for desktop OSs, um, they own pretty much the entire market. Um, They could quite easily say to Hollywood, you know, we're not going to put this stuff into the operating system because it severely degrades the performance, and reliability, and stability, and so on and so forth. Take it or leave it. Um, you know, this is assuming that Hollywood relies entirely on Microsoft. Uh, sorry, that, that Microsoft relies entirely on Hollywood. Well, Hollywood relies entirely on Microsoft. If Microsoft said we refuse to do this, Hollywood can't afford to ignore ninety-five percent of the market.
0: So, so, so I companies, think that's a bit of a red herring. Companies like Apple, uh, people who make Linux distributions, could safely ignore. Uh, this content protection and and say, well, you know, we don't have to do it. Let Microsoft do it. We won't do it.
2: Right. And that's, you know, so the example you cited of of, of the suicide note, um, that was actually taken, just sort of a bit of a background information, that was taken from the British Labour Party's 1983 election manifesto, um, which someone said was you know, the longest suicide note in history. The Microsoft suicide note is a bit longer. But the thing is, that was so bad that their opponents actually printed it out and used it as, as uh, propaganda for their own cause. And so, you know, it could well be that Apple's going to go and, and point out some of these really nasty things inside Vista and say, you know, look at how bad this is by our computers and our operating system instead. So we think the it's Linux people are going to use it for propaganda to say to make Linux look right,
0: good. Right. So this is a technical podcast. So I think we should probably, Steve, you know, walk through these uh, various consequences of this uh, copy protection scheme, especially since we've already talked about AACS in detail last episode.
1: Okay. Right, I, I I I think that the point that that Peter's paper makes so well is that is that and and this is actually how, what he, how he and I began corresponding via email is that that to, the PC has traditionally been an open platform. I I remember very clearly when I got my very first real IBM PC with a oh, a big ten megabyte hard drive that the technical reference manuals you could get with it had the schematics of the machine and the source code of the bios just provided by ibm as part of the package and that really sort of came from apple because the apple 2 had the same thing
0: and it and really so- kickstarted the pc revolution
1: Oh, well, I mean, you know, my first PC application was a little thing called Flickr Free, which replaced a chunk of the IBM PC BIOS because it was so poor at scrolling the CGA, the color graphics adapter card. And so I was hugely empowered by the fact that, that IBM had left the platform so open. And of course, you know, you everyone remembers how the PC just exploded be- with all this add-on software and hardware. And of course IBM famously sort of backed away from their open stance when they created that horrible microchannel architecture which was pretty much stillborn but still I mean ever since then the PC has been fully documented you could get specs you 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 could find you know uh, sample code I mean it's just been this tremendous environment and and what really what really upsets me is To do what Microsoft has decided they're going to do requires closing down major chunks
0: of the architecture. Well, let's start with section one, disabling of functionality. Uh, And you talk about how SPDIF uh, will no longer work with the protected content. You talk about how uh, if you bought a, a video card that supported HDMI digital video with HDCP, you're going to have to buy another one. Uh, because they didn't really work when they first came out?
2: Right. So the problem with that is in order to – HDMI is, is basically a slight variation of the standard DVI output um, that you have on, on things like LCD flat panels. Um, in order to protect that, you have an encryption mechanism called HTCP. And to do that, you need to put encryption keys onto your video card. The problem is that it costs money to put the, um, these individual encryption keys onto each video card. So, to reduce costs, the card manufacturers simply omitted them. So, if you bought a supposedly HD-ready video card... It won't work. It won't work because it doesn't doesn't handle the encryption. Um,
0: If you spend money on Spitif, it won't work because it has to be disabled because uh, there is no protection on it. There's no protection
2: whatsoever, yeah. And that's, you know, the nasty thing, you know, with sort of audio um, fanatics or anybody who basically wants to produce high-quality audio from a PC... We use some sort of digital interface and maybe even optical output um, connected to some you know, expensive amplifier or whatever. And because there's no protection involved in the audio output, it has to be disabled. Now, we should make that clear. It's
0: disabled only when you're playing back protected content like an HD DVD or a Blu-ray DVD. I mean, it's not always disabled.
2: It's not always disabled, no. On the other hand... Um, it's problematic because, and if you look at the Windows specs, uh, sorry, the, the Microsoft, Microsoft specs for the content protection. Um, let's say you're playing, you're, you're making a Skype phone call, and in the background you're playing some, you know, particular content, music, or some of some uh-huh. kind, um, because that all goes through the same sound output system that it kind of infects everything. So the protected content right. infects every other content that happens to be going through the system
0: at the time. We, in fact, wouldn't be doing this interview now because uh, I used uh, optical outputs. So they'd be shut down.
2: Well, it's, they're not exclusively shut down. Um, again, reading the specs, I think probably what most manufacturers will do is just shut it down. But what the specs say is that depending on how much protected content is present, um, you partially shut it down. Uh. So, for example, if, you, if you're playing protected content and it's very quiet, then some of it will be shut down, and as the volume increases, more of it gets shut down.
0: There's also this now, issue, and this is to prevent the analog hole, I gather, right. uh, of, of, of disabling or di- really reducing quality uh, of other outputs, um, so that so that if you don't have HDCP, you can watch it, but it's really only four AEI. Right. So
2: that's, that's, uh, Microsoft say that any, any display device that... Um, has a resolution of more than 520K pixels, which in practice is a resolution of about 800 by 600. Yeah, it's everything. has to have its output degraded. Now, if you look at the Vista specs, in order to run aero, um, you need a resolution of 1024 by 768. So basically, it means that anything connected to a Vista machine running the aero interface will have its output degraded.
0: When will the output be degraded?
2: If there's premium content present.
0: Unless... You have an HDCP enabled card.
2: Uh, you need an HDCP enabled card and an HDCP enabled display.
0: Um, ah, I vac- so uh, my display isn't going to work,
2: right? So it's well. Even then, so what, what Microsoft have said is you have to put a piece of hardware into your video card called a constrictor, which basically downscales the video to some extremely low resolution and then upscales it back again. So effectively, you get a very low quality output. Um, but because this requires custom hardware or custom drivers or what, whatever um, stuff that the manufacturers haven't actually been able to put into their cards yet, um, it seems that at the moment, when people are trying to play HD content or premium content, they simply don't get any output at all.
1: Great. So, so, so it, w- it was my feeling, and I guess I, this, is, this is from something that I read in some forums that that in fact um, the, the the current HD DVDs. Would play, for example, on a consumer HD DVD player even out of their component outs because the the policy that goes along with the content was not yet so restrictive that the the policy makers were saying, you know, we're not going to allow analog output to happen.
2: Right. Yeah. Because they're so afraid of consumer rejection. I mean, obviously, if you if you've bought an HD player into some huge plasma screen and spent thousands of dollars. And you, you put a disk in and it doesn't play. You're not going to be very happy. So at the moment, yeah, they're turning off this, this um, constriction. However, um, how Windows handles this is another matter. Um, if you look at, uh, I've been you know, reading a pile of web forums about this, and the thing you see over and over again is I bought a computer, it came with an HD drive, I put the disk in, it didn't play. Um, so maybe Windows doesn't honor that or doesn't handle it that you well. Well, it's
0: interesting because I have an Xbox 360 also from Microsoft with an HDDV drive, drive, drive. It doesn't have HDMI out. doesn't obviously have HDCP. It plays high quality over component outputs and looks great. Um, I guess they just haven't enabled it. I mean, here's a Microsoft product where they haven't made that right. compromise. You think that the Vista will?
2: From the reports, you know, from, from beta testers and so on, from the reports we've been seeing, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's really hard to predict the future because it hasn't been officially released yet. But from reports from beta testers, um, a, a standard complaint is that that they put the disk in the drive and it doesn't play. Let's
0: talk about some other consequences uh, of this uh, copy protection. Some of these are, are, are serious to a, a limited audience. For instance, open source hardware support, it's now going to be very difficult to write an open-source driver for any of this hardware.
2: Right. Yeah, so one of the things they require, um, for one of the things they're worried about is someone creating a, some emulation of a hardware device. So you emulate, perhaps in software, or perhaps in hardware, a sound card or a video card or whatnot. Um, and then Vista sends the decrypted content to your artificial sound card, your artificial video card, and you've then got direct access to it. The reason why um, they're worried about that is because this is exactly what people have done in the past under Windows XP. They've created um, sort of loopback devices or whatnot, what and Windows has sent the content to this, to some loopback device or some artificially created device driver that pretends to be the real thing.
0: This way you could capture keys and
2: things and like pirated, that. And pirate it. Well, not so much capture keys, capture content.
0: The content itself.
2: Yeah. Right. And so to disable this, um, they require something called HSF, or, sorry, HFS hardware functionality scan, which means that the device driver has to probe the hardware and try to determine whether it's genuine hardware or not. So it executes undocumented features or um, you know, exercises some sort of undocumented functionality or pokes around inside the thing in such a way that hopefully it can't be faked by, by a malicious piece of hardware. The problem is in order to do this, you can no longer document the internals of the device because if you did, then someone else could write an emulator for the device that pretends to be the real thing.
0: So you can't publish uh, specs and you can't publish source code.
2: Right. Now, again, the the, the language in the spec is kind of wishy-washy. It doesn't say you can't publish any specs at all. It simply says that some aspects of the device will have to be kept proprietary. But that's kind of nasty for anyone writing open source software because you know if you've got a graphics card, you need to know exactly how it works in order to write the drivers for it. And if half the half the thing is undocumented,
0: um, it becomes very hard to support well, it properly. Isn't it possible that just the undocumented part will be the ho- the premium content playback, and you, everything else will be documented, and you could still write a driver for Linux, for instance, but it just wouldn't play back. High def movies.
2: Well, there's nothing, there's no, there's not, it's not that you can partition a card into one specific premium content, but everything else is public. Um, what they're requiring that you do is that you exercise, um, and again, the specs are vague, but some sort of functionality of the card. Um, the graphics rendering engine is, is an example like, of se- in several cases. Um, and to determine whether it really is a genuine card or a copy of the thing or an emulator that someone's created. And, uh, you know, leaving the whole graphics rendering engine undocumented is a pretty nasty denial of service on anyone who wants to write open source drivers for it.
1: Well, and the other thing that I think is really interesting, and Microsoft spec makes this very clear, is they have this notion of a user accessible bus. And, and the, essentially, if you have a separate graphics card, and they make a big deal about the difference between an integrated graphics subsystem on the motherboard, where you don't have a bus exposed, and this notion of a separate graphics card, because because, again, that bus is an opportunity for someone to, to snoop the bus and, and capture content as it's going from the motherboard up to the graphics card. So there's a whole another whole level of technology where we're essentially they're doing a modified AES-128 encryption on the fly at high bandwidth, which turns out to be very difficult to do.
2: Right. And I think the threat, um, the threat model for that is, if you've read the book, Hacking the Xbox, um, the guy who first sort of broke the security on the yeah, original but, Xbox.
0: But, Wong, yeah.
2: Right. Attached a um, FPGA-based mm. logic analyzer to the system right. bus. And so they're trying to encrypt the system buses to stop exactly that sort of attack. It's kind of interesting, if you read through the specs and you think back, okay, what are they trying to defend against? You know, here was a published attack, and and presumably they're worried about exactly this kind of attack, and so they're taking these very unusual and probably excessive measures to try and defend against it. And the problem is that, you know, again, from Microsoft's own documents, that current processors um, simply don't have the horsepower to do both video processing and encryption of high-bandwidth content.
1: Um, The the other thing that I found interesting was that uh, Vista introduces this notion of a a so-called protected environment where applications, or that is to say processes, running within what Microsoft calls the Vista-protected environment are are inaccessible to a much greater degree than existing applications, for example, in XP would be, the idea being to prevent people from sort of the outside of this protected environment from being able to snoop into other things running on the same system.
2: Right. And that's, that's kind of one of the sad things about this whole this whole you know Vista DRM effort. Um, they've put a huge amount of work into creating this protected environment. Now, imagine if they'd instead used that to protect against viruses and malware and rootkits <laughs> exactly. and so on and so forth. Uh,
1: exactly. It's one, it's one of the things that I think I may have commented on last week was that there's the, the, as you read this, you get a sense for this phenomenal amount of industry which has gone into turning vista into this you know platform that can play hd dvd and and various types of you know other other source forms of high definition protected content i mean it's not something that it's clear that a majority of Vista users will even take advantage of, yet even so, all that work was done instead of all these other f- features that we were supposed to be getting in Longhorn that ha- th- that were stripped
0: out, and they- they- they've basically burdened the operating system with all this technology. Well, ironically, they've made it more susceptible to malware. With these tilt Bit talk a little bit about the tilt bits, uh, Peter.
2: Right, so... What tilt bits are is um, it's, uh, the, the names taken from pinball machines. We had tilt sensors to, to monitor, you know, physical interference with the device. Yeah,
0: if you pick up the machine and, and get the ball in the hole, it's tilted.
2: Right. And, and so yeah. Microsoft have done or required that, that hardware manufacturers do pretty much exactly the same thing. Um, the nasty thing with this is that, that, well, to put it bluntly, it makes your hardware and your system a lot less reliable. Um, you know, the, the typical PC is thrown together out of all sorts of random bits and pieces with different tolerances, and, 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 you know, half the parts are made by the cheapest possible manufacturer, so a lot of them are cheap and nasty. So they're designed to have a certain amount of tolerance for, you know, voltage fluctuations and strange bus signals and bugs in device drivers that set, you know, hardware bits wrong and so on and so forth. The problem is that if you do get these strange voltage fluctuations or strange noise on the on the system bus or whatever... Uh, that could also be a sign of attack, and so Microsoft have said that hardware has to monitor for any of these peculiarities, and if they're found, then it sets these tilt bits in a register somewhere. This the policies tilt bits, and if any of them are set, it um, reacts in some vaguely specified but somewhat drastic manner.
0: Will it shut so, down put, or crash or uh, put up a, a blue well, screen? So,
2: what the, what the specs say is that – I'm um, just trying to find the exact quote because it's, it's vague enough that I'm actually going to have to quote Microsoft rather than try and figure out what it is. <laughs> well, it, say, it, it initiates a complete reset of the graphics system, and it also mentions it's a restart. Now, I don't think that's a restart of the PC as a whole. Um, presumably it's just a restart of the graphics subsystem.
1: Yes, and it requires a a re-authentication of of the whole system, you know, to be self-consistent internally.
2: Right. So I think the effect is going to be that if any of these tilt bits get set, there will be some drastic amount of processing and change of system state going on in Vista. And I don't know exactly, you know, how noticeable it's going to be, whether it takes 5 seconds or 10 seconds or half a second or whatever. But whatever the case, if some slight glitch is detected, then Vista's going to do some serious reconfiguration of system state for some fixed amount of time before anything else can happen.
0: Which, as you point out, makes it just prime for a a denial-of-service attack from malware. Uh,
2: Right. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, if if you want to cause a disturbance in the system, then just trigger one of the tilt bits and watch Vista drive itself nuts with with doing a restart (laughs) of the subsystem. Um, But even even then... um, you know, someone mentioned on a blog, and I think this is this quite a neat quote, um, it was something like, you know, quote, tilt bits are quite clearly insane. Um, and they are. I mean, what hardware manufacturer would voluntarily make the hardware less reliable and less stable, does which it, is does, what tilt bits are doing?
0: Does all of this content protection, uh, okay, it affects reliability. Does it also slow the system down?
2: I would imagine it does because you've got this huge layer of bloat sitting in there um, intercepting all audio and video output and content output and processing. Um, this doesn't come for free. I mean, again, from the specs, it says well, they have to sit there continuously polling and checking hardware and checking tilt bits and checking all sorts of other things.
1: Right. Uh, I, I was just—I was just going to say that, that the spec does require that software drivers at, at every thirty milliseconds, which is essentially you know thirty times per second, are are going out and polling the the hardware in order to maintain an intimate relationship with the hardware to, in order to try to catch anybody playing any games and i mean so so even when your system is not actively doing something you've got drivers
0: that that are busy making sure that nothing continues to happen what you're describing is an operating system that is essentially as insanely paranoid (laughs) it's just gone off the deep end that's true 30 times a second are they hacking me i mean that's crazy Right yeah, i mean it, it it really is now
1: th- there's one other aspect that that uh, that has occurred to me since we last talked about this. I would love to get Peter's opinion. People listening to this so far and our last podcast might be thinking, okay, so Vista's not going to let me watch you know h d this new fangled content but what i what's also occurred to me is that Vista is sort of retroactively going to become hostile to many of the things that people used to be able to do. For example, ripping DVDs, decrypting DVDs, you know, where the technology does exist for that, suddenly there's the ability to prevent that from happening, and that does seem to be what Vista is doing. So it's actually, it's actually backing people away from things they were able to do historically under Windows 2000 and, and XP, taking things away.
2: Right, although you know, someone else has pointed out that, that the Vista Conte protection is so thoroughly obnoxious that it's actually going to be a major driver towards piracy.
0: You quote muslick 64 the guy who came up with the uh, crack of HD DVD. Right, exactly. that was I mean, his the incentive. Reason,
2: the re- yeah, the reason why he was doing this isn't because he's a pirate, but because he bought a, a system with all the HD components in and he couldn't play back his video. So, you know, if, if you're, an, if you're the a, an average guy and you've gone out and bought a system with, with an HD player and, you know, a high-resolution monitor and so on attached, you put it on a disc and it won't play, what are you going to do? You're going to go out on the Internet and find some um, software to crack the copy protection because it's preventing you from playing legitimately purchased content. So it could actually be a huge incentive towards piracy and towards bypassing the copy protection because it's so obnoxious that people just want to get it out of the way.
1: Peter, you know, one other thing that I, that I keep asking myself is, is we know, we know just do the nature of physics as, as as you said in, in your, in your white paper, it is, it is impossible to do what microsoft is trying to do there, is that they're, they're just there is no absolute control over the the remote delivery platform so it's going to end up one way or another being cracked and right. the people who, who have the people who have the most incentive are are more the commercial grade um, pirates that are really mass producing pirated content. We know they're going to come up with a way around this. So, so th- to me, this seems like a huge amount of burden to put on, you know, people's grandmothers who are never going to pirate this content, and they're doing it even though it can't be effective. Right.
2: Well, again, you've got this, um, you know, the fact that you have to show a certain level of commitment to the cause. They can now go back to Hollywood and say, we've done the best we can towards you know, showing that we're, we're on your side. Give us the premium content.
1: Ah, so, so, it's really not, so it's really not about who are they tra- trying to target. It's, it's, it's saying to Hollywood, you know, no one to the best of our ability is going to be able to use PCs as little media piracy systems the way they have been for the last 20 years. So now,
0: the insane paranoia really comes from Hollywood, not from Microsoft. It's hard to tell what
2: goes on inside Microsoft, but... You know, if if you read the technical specs, I think any technical person that reads those specs would say, you know, this is never going to work and and half of this stuff is nuts. On the other hand, there could well be higher level managers who don't, inside Microsoft, who don't understand the technology and who, who completely agree with Hollywood. And who think, you know, we should do this, even though other people have told me it's impossible, we're going to do
0: it anyway. You made such a good point, Steve, when you said that they're doing this for a a subset of PC users, far from the majority of PC users, and yet we're all saddled with this. In fact, Peter, you say at the end of your uh, document, you know, a $50 cheap Chinese-made set-top player in the long run will do a better job of playing back this high-def content. Why don't we just extrude all of this extraneous material from our PC and and get it out of there. We don't need it. Right, exactly. Why are we trying to turn the PC into a uh, high-def media device?
1: So I guess the point that Peter's making overall, I mean, his paper was talking about the cost of Windows Vista content protection, is that you know we know that Vista is going to be selling starting next month in in February of 07. We, We know that people buying new machines are going to have Vista on it. So we know that a year later there's going to be a huge install base of vista we know that there will be people wanting to upgrade their xp systems which are strong enough to run vista to have the latest and greatest or, or and maybe this will sort of mute that enthusiasm for upgrading to some degree depending upon the kinds of things people do so you know this is going to happen anyway but but in order to implement all the technologies microsoft has it really does insert cost Throughout the entire infrastructure, the whole Windows PC infrastructure becomes more expensive.
2: Right. Well, the scary thing is it's not just Windows. You know, because the hardware manufacturers have to make this, these changes um, and they don't really care what operating system it's going to run on, it's going to affect everybody. Your graphics cards will become more expensive across the board, even if they're never used with a Windows PC, because they still need to have these changes made only right. for Windows Vista.
0: So, really, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you could say, let's take this out of uh, Windows, but in fact, by just putting it in Windows, it's now in everything we use. Right.
2: Because, you know, again, if, if Windows, you know, if they own, I don't know what, 90, 95% of the market, that's, that's um, it. the graphics card and sound card manufacturers have to um, handle that. And so they have to put this Vista specific stuff in there, even if, you know, Mac OS X or Linux for FreeBSD completely ignores it.
0: We'll put a, a link to a Peter's article, uh, of course, on our web page. It's uh, it's a long URL, so uh, uh, I'm not going to give it out on the air here. But you can you can go to our show notes and read it. And I do recommend reading it. It's it's it, as technical as it sounds. It's 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 easily read and digested. I think. Has uh, Leo has John
1: Dvorak weighed in on this issue at all yet? We uh, heard from no. John? In
0: fact, we'll probably talk about it more. Uh, we're going to uh, get uh, actually, we're trying to get a rebuttal from Microsoft on Windows Weekly. Uh, and find out what they have to say. I don't expect anything substantive from them, but we want to at least give them a chance to say something. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear that uh, the, the 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 proof will be in the pudding. I mean, as Vista comes out on the marketplace, if all of these things happen as Peter has predicted, and I see no reason why they won't, but if it all, if this all happens, you're going to see a rebellion. It may uh, you might be right, Peter. This might in fact be a suicide note because well, well, nobody and, wants and, and, their and, computer bricked. That's the new term we're all going to have to learn.
1: And, and and I think Peter made a real good point, too, which has been on my mind, and that is, when you look at all the effort Microsoft has gone to to protect us from Hollywood, or Hollywood from us, or That's, well, which, from whichever us. way it
0: goes, protect Hollywood you know, from us, yeah.
1: imagine if instead they'd put that industry into protecting right. us from spyware and malware.
0: Well, they'd have done the job, I'm sure. Um, You know, I think ultimately the consumers will will be the voters on this one and and they'll vote with their dollars. Uh, And I have to think if I'm a business guy thinking about moving to Vista and I see this, I'm going to have some real second thoughts because there's no benefit at all to to business. A business doesn't want HD content on their computers.
1: Now, Peter, if you, if you don't have drivers for, if, 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 like from, from the business model, if you had a, a basic PC with no HD DVD drive and, and drivers, you know, security certificated drivers, no fancy graphics card that had all this stuff, you know, would, would Vista's content protection system just sort of like never get activated? Is it in there, but just, completely passive and there's no tilt bits that are going to be a problem?
2: I think probably the nastier aspects probably wouldn't be activated. Again, the specs are vague on just how much of the stuff is is actually active at any one time. Um, Because a lot of it is so deeply built into the OS... I think um, a large chunk of it is probably going to be there no matter what, and yeah, that's that's deliberate. Obviously, if you have one version of Vista that doesn't have the content protection active
0: I'll use and a, a different
2: bit. version of Vista that does, <laughs> yeah. everyone's going to use the right. unencumbered version.
0: Right. You have to put in them all of them.
1: Yeah. Well, in fact, I, I, I have read through the the Vista output content protection document, and it's very clear exactly what what Peter was saying from an architectural standpoint. Whole huge subsystems have been completely redesigned and moved around from like kernel mode to user mode, and and there's this whole notion of a protected environment now to to keep things from working the way they have before. So there there will certainly be side effects of those kinds of e- deep architectural
0: changes that we wouldn't have needed except that you know Microsoft decided they wanted to do this. Well, and you have to wonder if that's why Vista took so long. I mean, all, this attention to this kind of stuff didn't happen until a few few years ago i can imagine microsoft sitting in 2004 saying okay vista's ready to go and hearing from hollywood well (laughs) hold on there guys and imagine it would have taken a year or two to get this stuff working right
1: well and in fact historically we've seen that a lot Uh, i was talking last week about how how the the fights over the content protection for digital audio tape dat tape it delayed its introduction into to to in, into the consumer market by many years and, right. and, and people who know about the industry feel that it may have been all of that that just killed it and it just never had a chance to happen.
2: Well, we've also been getting lots of, of complaints from people admittedly running, you know, beta versions of drivers for Vista that um, the drivers are less functional than the XP drivers, they're less stable, they're, they're... and so on and so forth. Lots and lots of complaints. And I know from... Um, sort of off-the-record comments from people working for, for device manufacturers that they're spending a, putting a huge amount of effort into getting all this content protection stuff into their device drivers, and they're frantically trying to get drivers out.
0: must be driving them crazy, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's driving them nuts. And, you know, obviously they're not getting any value out of this for some you know, large graphics manufacturer like ATI or NVIDIA. They're getting absolutely nothing out of putting all this crippling into their own drivers. Um, but they have to do it because Microsoft has said so. Wow. And so, you know, typically with with like this, say Windows XP has got a pile of built-in drivers. Well, with Windows, with Vista, um, the, the the release to manufacturing, uh, a lot of the drivers weren't ready yet at the time that was released. So probably right. the first thing that happens once you install Vista is you have to go online and download drivers that actually work a bit better,
0: or or support this high def content protection. Well, and in fact, you know,
1: I've, I've been running Vista now for several months, and I don't use it continually, but when I do fire it up, almost all the time, it says, oops, there's some new updates ready right. for your machine, go get them.
2: Right, and you can see that even with playing back non protected content, um, on, in online forums, you see complaints about it dropping frames and audio stuttering and so on and so forth. Maybe it's just because it's beta drivers. On the other hand, it could also be because all this content protection gunk is getting in the way of simply playing back the content.
0: Peter, you're a little bit like Paul Revere. I don't know if you know the story of Paul Revere in the U.S. Yeah. saying the British are coming, the British are coming. We, it, it, Vista is coming, and uh, and really it, it, it's only until uh, it's out in widespread use we really know what the true consequences Uh, of this decision on microsoft's part are but i have a feeling there's a lot more to be said about this and we'll be hearing a lot more about it in the months to come we thank you so much for joining us on security now okay you're welcome really great to talk to you thank you peter thanks peter thanks uh peter gutman again who is at the university of auckland in new zealand uh, a well-known security expert and a guy who has really stirred up a hornet's nest and we haven't heard a lot from microsoft about this these are good hornets, Leo. Yeah, <laughs> these are angry hornets, but they it's it is really a good thing for him to talk about this. Um, I, I I have some concern because uh, a you know this is uh, his his opinion, although pretty factually backed up. We haven't, well, heard from Leo. Microsoft I,
1: I I have read all the Microsoft docs. I have read all of the AACS docs. Certainly, Peter is taking the approach of this is a bad thing an expensive thing for Microsoft to have done. But I can independently vouch for the factual accuracy of what he has yeah, said. Yeah. This notion of, of them saying that the screen should be made fuzzy if it's not protectable, that outputs need to be shut down. I mean, I have read that myself in documents directly from Microsoft's site. So so all of this stuff is actually, I mean, is absolutely accurate.
0: We'll see. I mean, as, of course, it's accurate. I'm not denying that in any way. I just think we will we won't really know what the what the price for this is uh, for a few months. Uh, but I think it will become clear. The question is, what are we going to do about it?
1: Well, and you know, Peter made some great points. He's been very active out in the blogosphere, and and in certainly he's been the focus of this because of his paper. Right. And he talks about, and I have also seen separately people saying that. Something seems wrong with Vista relative to its ability to robustly play media. Uh, so, you know, play, uh, that is a playback media. So it may be it's going to take a while for Microsoft to, to get this working
0: smoothly and that they've broken it in the meantime. Yeah. Steve, always a great pleasure. You can find uh, more details, including a transcript of this great conversation at grc.com. I'm going to uh, dig this uh, show so that people can... Uh, I think this is the kind of thing people on DIG and, and Slashdot will want to know more about. Um, Peter hasn't done a lot of interviews, so it's a chance to really hear it directly from Peter uh, uh, it You can help us by going to DIG.com and, and, and digging the story. Um, and if you want more information, as I said, transcripts, 16-kilobit versions, notes, they're all on Steve's site. GRC.com. That's not the only thing there, though. That's where you also find SpinRight, which is Steve's fantastic program. For hard drive maintenance, I thought it was funny and and recovery. It was funny that uh, you would initially talked to uh, Peter over about hard drives.
1: <laughs> I well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. you know, we, our our paths have crossed in many different uh,
0: venues. Lots of happy uh, customers. You can go to Spinrite s p i n r i t e dot info to read the testimonials. I think that that will will tell you more than anything Steve or I could say about the value of the program. If you've got a hard drive, you really ought to get right. GRC.com. Okay, Steve. Well, Liam, another week, another episode is in the can. It is. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Security Now. Security Now.